Good morning, and welcome to Sunday Morning with Love in Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me this morning on the Joy FM. I hope everyone is having a good 4th of July weekend. It's a long weekend for a lot of people, as offices and businesses will be closed on Monday as part of the 4th of July celebration. I know this is a time a lot of families will get together. People go to the beach, to the lake, have cookouts, shoot fireworks, and just have a big time. I just hope everybody stays safe out there and enjoy your family. This 4th of July weekend is usually a big family weekend, so enjoy yourselves. This morning, we're going to continue our study of the full armor of God. And we have been moving through each individual piece of the armor. And today we are going to look at the helmet of salvation. Get your Bibles ready if you're not driving and turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. That's our key scripture for the armor of God. And we will dive into it. But first, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we do come to you in the name of Jesus, the name that's above all names. And we thank you and praise you for loving us like you do. Thank you for the salvation that you freely give us through your son, Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for being who you are, almighty God. And Father, we thank you for this time to be able to come on the radio and share your word. Father, as we open up your scripture this morning, we pray that, Holy Spirit, you will teach us, lead us, and guide us into all truths, and may we be doers of your word, Father, and not just hearers of your word. Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have in this country to proclaim your gospel. We can do that in person. We can do that on the radio, on TV. Father, there's so many countries that it's not even allowed to share the gospel, so God, we are so blessed. And Lord, may we not waste the opportunities that we have here in the U.S. to share your gospel. So we thank you for the freedoms that we have, Father. God, we pray for this country. Father, this country has wandered away from you in so many ways. Father, I pray for forgiveness of my sins personally. I pray for the forgiveness of our sins as a country, that we will once again truly be one nation under God. And Father, just pray that those who are listening this morning who don't have that relationship with you, I pray this morning will be their morning to call out to you. And as we talk about salvation this morning, God, it's such an awesome teaching to share with people who don't know you. So God, I pray that they'll, they'll have the understanding of what salvation truly is and how much we all need your salvation, Lord. So Father, again, we ask you to bless this time. We just thank you again. We love you and we praise you. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Part of the armor of God, as described by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, is the helmet of salvation. Paul talks about the helmet of salvation as part of the armor of God. And so we're going to look at what exactly does the Bible mean by salvation and why is salvation portrayed as a helmet? Each one of these pieces of the armor of God is so necessary, and it's so awesome how God gives us everything that we need. And this helmet of salvation that we're going to talk about this morning, it's an awesome study, and we only have about 25 minutes to do it, so let's jump right in. Paul tells us to put on the helmet of salvation, and when he wrote to the Ephesians about the helmet of salvation, some of them may have found the analogy to be a familiar one because of what we call the Old Testament. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, there's a description of God 
shows him having put on both the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. And you can find that in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17. In referencing the Old Testament scripture, Paul, he's driving home the point that it is, in every sense of the word, the armor of God, the same armor that God himself wears. But it also leads us to consider, what is salvation? What does it have to do with a helmet, and what does it mean for us? And we talk a lot about salvation, and people who aren't familiar with that term or aren't familiar with the Bible probably don't really know what we're talking about when we're talking about salvation. So if you're listening this morning to understand what salvation is, and if you're a believer this morning, then I pray that this teaching will help you share with others what salvation is. Now, Paul, he had been under house arrest for a couple of years in Rome, so he was very familiar with the armor that the Roman soldiers wore. And God gave him this analogy, this illustration of the armor of God by taking pieces of the armor that the Roman soldiers were wearing and putting it into a spiritual sense that he gives us armor. We need armor to protect us and to fight against our enemy, who is Satan. It's obvious what the helmet of a Roman soldier did. It obviously protect their head from receiving a fatal blow. Now, more importantly, we're going to talk about the spiritual part of the helmet of salvation. And we're going to talk about what is salvation. Salvation basically means to be saved or delivered from something. In the New Testament, we see that salvation is generally used to refer to deliverance from eternal death eternal death penalty of sin and deliverance into God's kingdom. And what is the penalty of sin? Well, first of all, let's talk about what is sin. Again, sin is one of those words, if you're not familiar with scripture, you may not know what sin is. Sin is disobedience. And when we disobey God, we disobey his word, then that's called sin in the Bible. It's disobedience to God. We can be saved from the penalty of sin, God himself provided the one and only way through his son, Jesus Christ. And let's go to Romans chapter 3, verse 23, where we read, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every person to ever walk this earth, except for Jesus Christ himself, has sinned. I've sinned, you've sinned, everyone has sinned, and we have fallen short of the glory of God. And scripture tells us that. Now in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that's where we see the penalty of death. Paul writes, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin. So when you receive a wage, you earn it, right? Like at work, you earn a wage. So the, the check that you receive, you've earned that. It's with sin, we earn death. But here's the good news. The second part of that verse. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So God gives us a gift, the gift of salvation. And that gives us eternal life through Jesus with our Heavenly Father. Romans chapter 10, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, Paul writes, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, God shows us how much he loves us. He didn't have to do it, but he did because he loves us. He sent his one and only son to die for us, to save us from his wrath, to give us eternal life. 
John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So God sent Jesus, sent his one and only Son, to die for us. He says, whosoever. Other translations, whoever. Well, you're a whoever, I'm a whoever. You're a whosoever, I'm a whosoever. We believe. Doesn't matter if we live here in the U.S. or if we live in Africa or Asia, Europe, wherever. If we believe, our spirit shall not perish, but we shall have eternal life through Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants you and me, he wants all of us to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He's not going to force us though, but he has made the way, and we're talking about this morning, how to receive that salvation that he has provided freely to us. Luke chapter 1 verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. God removes our sins from us through his son Jesus And that's the disobedience that we're talking about earlier. He forgives us for that. And he removes that. The word of God says, as far as the east is from the west, and forgives us and remembers our sin no more. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, one of my favorite pieces of scripture. Paul writes, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So how can you receive the salvation, that the gift of salvation that God gives us free? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and that God raised him back to life on the third day. So when we call out to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I confess you are my Lord. And I believe with my heart that God raised you from the dead. The word of God says we shall be saved. And and it's believing with your heart. It's not just a a mind thing. It's not just a a knowledge of the mind, but we got to get it down to our heart. That's we believe with all that's within us that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, that he died for our sins on the cross and that he rose again on the third day. And when we confess him as Lord and we believe that in our hearts, God says we will be saved. And that is awesome. That's why the gospel is called good news. Good news. It's the best news. It's the most awesome news ever is knowing that God loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for our sins and that he raised Jesus back to life on the third day to give all who believe eternal life. The simple fact of the matter is every human being, every person that's ever lived has acted, has thought in ways that are detestable to God. Our sins break God's beautiful living laws that he designed for our good. Sin, that disobedience, is so vile to God that it requires a death penalty. See, God's a just God, and God's justice requires that penalty. But at the same time, we see how loving our God is, that while you and I deserve death, he said, I'm going to make a way for you. And God's love and mercy provided the most incredible substitute for us, and that's Jesus Christ. He was willing to go to the cross and die in our place, and take the wrath of God for us. There's no greater love than that. And to be saved, we got to have a Savior. Well, Jesus is that Savior. He is the only Savior, the only Lord. 
the only name by which we must be saved. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father. You hear out there in the world so many times there are many different ways. That's not the case. That's not true. That's a lie from the enemy. If there were many ways, Jesus would never have come to earth and went through all that pain and torture that he went through and die for us. He wouldn't have, done, he wouldn't have had to do it if there was other ways. That was the only way. And he did it because he loves you He loves me. He loves us all. And as we read, God wants all of us to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and receive that salvation. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That word repent is so important because repent means to turn from our sinful ways and to turn to Jesus We're doing a a 180 here. We're living in disobedience to God, and then we're saying, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Forgive me, Father God. Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again from the dead to give me eternal life. Now I'm turning to you, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow your ways. That's repentance. Repentance is being sorrowful for what we've done in our disobedience to God. And when we repent and we turn to Jesus, we're filled with this Holy Spirit. We are saved that salvation comes in. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's important to understand that salvation cannot be earned. There's some teachings out there in some false religions that try to claim to be Christian, but the, their teachings does not line up with the Word of God, and, and they say you can earn your way to salvation. Well, you can't. The Scripture is very clear in that. There's no way to earn that salvation. We have to receive it through Jesus Christ, receive that free gift from God. It's important that we know that and understand that because it is a free gift. And nothing we can obtain through good deeds or right actions is going to earn us that salvation. It can't happen. doesn't happen. It's impossible. So it's important to understand that it's by the grace of God, through the work that Jesus did on the cross, that we've been saved. It's his gift to us. It's his love for us. We read throughout the New Testament where we have been saved, like in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. We also read that we are being saved 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. And we also read that we will be saved. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. What does that mean for us? That we are saved, we will be saved, we are being saved. Well, let's, let's look at some scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So again, We see twice in that scripture we just read there that by grace we have been saved through faith. And again, not of any of the works that we've done. It's the gift from God. So Paul makes that very clear that we have been saved. That equates to the forgiveness of sins and the coming under God's grace. We we come under the grace of God as he forgives us for our sins. 
So basically, we have been taken off of death row. Remember, the wages of sin is death. So we're on death row until we turn to Jesus and surrender our lives to him and his forgiveness. His grace washes over us. He forgives us and he takes us off of death row. And we are on that road to eternal life with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Salvation can also be described as an ongoing conversion process. It's a walk. It's a life that we're living for Jesus. It's not just saying a prayer and then bingo, we're done. We can live life as we want to from here on out. No, it's not a, a, a box that we check. It's a lifestyle. It's a true turning point in our lives where we're not going to live the way that we were, the way that the world wants us to live. We're going to live how Jesus wants us to live. Our lives are for him from that point. And let me tell you, it's the greatest life ever. When I gave my life to Jesus back in 1989, wow, it's been an awesome journey ever since then. And still going through tough times, yes, you'll still go through tough times. But knowing that he's with you, and he's got you, then you can make it through anything. And I know you can because I have, because of Jesus, and only because of Jesus. So salvation, Paul's talking about here, this can be called a a transforming, transformation by the renewing of our minds. And that's what the Word of God does, renews our minds. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And that involves having God's laws written on our minds and meditating on them so we can better follow them. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16, and Psalms 119, verses 97 through 99. You can read more about that there. And as we saw in the lesson about the breastplate of righteousness, God expects us to obey his commands. Now, here we go. If you're not a believer, you're probably thinking, all right, here, Ken's talking about obeying all of the commandments, and I have to be perfect. Well, you're not going to be perfect. He wants us to strive to be perfect. He wants us to stop doing the willful sin in our lives. And as we ask him to forgive us, and we ask him to help us overcome those willful sins, those willful disobedience, then he will. And we can stop doing those things and follow him. We teach a class at Love and Action called the 50 Commands of Christ. So we can learn how he expects us to live this life so we can live it. And so we can teach others how to to do the same. And it's an incredible study. And it's because our Jesus is so incredible. And his, his commands for us. Therefore, our betterment, they're to bring him glory. And so it's not, when you think of commands, it's not, oh man, I'm going to be weighted down by all this by all this law. No, Jesus came to fulfill the law. He fulfilled it. You and I can't. There's no way we could do it. He fulfilled it for us. And now we live our lives through Jesus Christ, through his perfection. And we strive to be like Jesus. And when we mess up, because there's going to be times when we mess up. Since I got saved in 1989, I've messed up a lot. But 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins to God. He says, confess your sins, and I'll be faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. So when we do mess up, we can go to the Father and ask him to forgive us. But that initial decision to repent and to turn to him, that's, the, that's when salvation comes in. And then we start living this life with Jesus, for Jesus. And he shows us, he helps us along the way. And we can read how his disciples lived in the, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we see they made mistakes, didn't they? But he helped them overcome those mistakes, and he forgave them. And they truly became great men of God. God did amazing things through them. 
Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, that we will be hated by all for his namesake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. They hated Jesus, right? People hated Jesus. The world hated Jesus. And so we have to expect they're going to hate us too because we're following him. But he's with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And we can endure to the end. And so we have to choose to endure. No matter how hard the road gets, we got to keep enduring. Perseverance is a key to our salvation. It's key to our walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he gives us the strength to do that. What does salvation have to do with a helmet? Let's look at some scripture again. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. We can receive tremendous hope and comfort by focusing on the incredible sacrifice Christ gave to save us and on the amazing kingdom of God that is the the goal of our salvation. This hope works like a helmet to protect our minds from discouragement and despair in this world. So it's what we're thinking about. Think about what you're thinking about. And when we focus on our salvation and what Jesus did for us on the cross and how he rose again to give us eternal life, how he has saved us and set us free from the bondage of sin, then that acts as a helmet to protect our minds from all the other thoughts that are coming in, either from the world or coming in from Satan. We'll send thoughts our way or just all these thoughts try to bombard our minds. And many of those thoughts can can bring discouragement, can bring despair. And we, we need to choose not to listen to that, but focus on Jesus and realize we have that hope, that assurance of salvation in him. And that acts as a helmet to protect our minds. John chapter 17, verses 15 and 16. I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, John chapter 17 is an awesome chapter. Jesus praying, and he's praying for you and for me. And I encourage you to read that. Incredible, incredible chapter. But Christians have been called out of this world. It tells us we're not, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We're of his kingdom. And that's an important thing to remember. Our way of living and even of thinking should differ from the world's. We are to develop the mind of Christ, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. And as we have seen, that means having God's laws written on our hearts and on our minds so we can remember to always obey God. So that's why it's important to be in the Word of God. I encourage people all the time, be in the Word, read the Word, study the Word, so we can have His Word written on our hearts, and it's fresh on our minds. And we start understanding more and more of how much He loves us and how we are to live out this life here on earth. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22 Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and becomes unfruitful. Without the helmet of salvation, we will be unprotected from the cares of this world. And those cares of the world just bombard our thoughts and feelings. The worries, the problems produced by living in this world can sometimes overwhelm us. 
But again, that's why we have to have on the helmet of salvation, remembering our hope in Jesus Christ, our assurance of salvation in Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins, how much he loves us, how his mercies are new every morning, and his grace is more than enough. We got to focus on him. This helmet of salvation will keep us from falling in despair and in discouragement. Psalm chapter 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? With the helmet securely fastened, we can have the same confidence that Paul did that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And that's Romans chapter 8, verse 18. We understand that it doesn't matter what happens to us now. No matter what trials we may face, we know that the end of it, at the end of it all, waits God's kingdom and an eternity of his perfect reign. And what more could we ask for? There's nothing better than that. Knowing that whatever tough times we go through, we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, keep our hearts focused on Jesus, keep our minds focused on Jesus. Knowing that eternity, which lasts forever and ever and ever, we're going to be with him and see his perfection, live in his perfection and be with him forever and ever. That's the helmet of salvation that protects our minds from those thoughts that want to discourage us and bring us down. So how do we keep this helmet secure? Psalms chapter 3, verse 8, Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. So remember that salvation comes from God and that God is on our side. He's on your side. He's on my side. If we commit to fully following and obeying him, it is impossible for us to lose our battle or our salvation. Jesus says, follow me. That invitation is for all of us. And so as we follow him, we are in the word, reading his commands, reading about his life, reading how he wants us to live. That's the helmet of salvation. We focus on him and not the things of this world that's going to that's gonna bring us down. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 8, that I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul was confident in his salvation because he was confident in the work Jesus did on the cross and that Jesus rose again. And we can have that same confidence that as we are facing death, we know that we don't have to fear because we're going to go be with Jesus. We can be like that. We can be like Paul. We can not be afraid of death or anything, anyone else out there because of Jesus. So we got to keep that helmet of salvation securely on at all times. And then we too can be assured of the victory as long as we, like Paul, faithfully follow and obey our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 is a good way to start applying the helmet of salvation. Paul writes, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What he's saying is we are each individually responsible for whether or not we choose to accept the invitation into God's kingdom and then to stay on the path of obedience with his help. And he gives us a great checklist about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. So I encourage you to read that and ask yourself these, these questions. How well am I expressing godly love? And you can look in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7 about that, the, the love chapter as it's called. And ask yourself, is my outlook on life characterized by joy or pessimism? 
Am I a peacemaker or a troublemaker? Am I patient, even in stressful situations? Do I express kindness to others through willing acts of service? What kind of media do I allow into my life? Does the entertainment I enjoy live up to God's standards? Do I stick with my commitments even when they become difficult to keep? Is my approach to settling disagreements to verbally assault the other person, or do I handle things gently and with respect? And am I able to put what needs to be done before what I want to do? Then ask yourself, what areas do I find myself the strongest in? And what areas am I weakest in? And how can I improve? Then take time to think about that. Take time to pray about that. And ask God to help you turn those weaknesses into strengths. And to further strengthen the ones you're already strong in. And he will help you do it. So let's keep that helmet of salvation firmly secured. Never taking it off. Well, we're out of time. Time went by fast this morning, as it always does. But thank you for joining me this morning. Again, I hope you have a great weekend. Remember that Jesus loves you. And may God bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his face upon you and give you peace.